Hebrews chapter 11, let's look at verse 17. By faith Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promises offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said, In Isaac your seed shall be called, concluding that God was able to raise him up, even from the dead, from which he also received him in a figurative sense. You know, faith is not demonstrated unless it is truly tested. Now, I'm going to give myself away here, and it's probably not going to put me in the best light, but I'll go ahead and say this. There was a song that I used to enjoy. It was called God on the Mountain. Some of you might have heard of it. The group was the McCamies. Any of you ever heard of the McCamies? It's a sad day when you hadn't heard of the McCamies. But they were a group that used to sing, southern gospel group, had a little bit of a twang, would you say? Leslie, why are you? Leslie doesn't like the twang that I do sometimes. What is that? Bluegrass feel. I kind of like that every now and then. I'm not saying all the time, but I tell her it's okay every now and then. But the McCamies used to sing a song, and they would say something like this. They would say, faith is easy when you're up on the mountain. I mean, faith and talk of faith, they would say in that song, would come so easy. When everything is going well for you, it's so easy to talk of faith and trust and that everything seems to be good. It's another thing to talk of faith when you're in the valley, when you're in the most difficult days of your life. But it's there in the valley. It's there in those moments where faith is truly tested. Where faith is truly demonstrated. You know, Abraham had demonstrated faith in good days. He had seen so many blessings come in his life. But in particular, he had seen the fulfillment of God's promise of providing a child. Now, remember, again, Abraham didn't always do things the best. As a matter of fact, there was one part of his life where his faith faltered and he went to plan B. And thus, there was a son named Ishmael. And as I mentioned a few weeks ago, because of his plan B, because of his trying to help God out in God's plan, the whole world, even today, faces tension and strife in that area. But finally, after all those times, after, yes, going on his own way and coming back to faith and trusting God, at the age of 100... He sees the promised child born. He sees the promised child. And you can imagine what this must have been like. I mean, he must have truly demonstrated faith after that. He must have truly enjoyed that. Can you imagine all that Isaac got when he was coming up? I mean, every time he went to Walmart, he got exactly what he wanted to get. Because, listen, he had waited for him all that time. He loved Isaac. He was, Isaac was the apple of his eye. When that child cried at night, it was Isaac. It was Abraham that got up to go and diaper him and take care of him. I'm sure it was because he loved. I mean, he had waited all that time. He loved Isaac. And those were some good years. And certainly God demonstrated, he demonstrated faith. But his faith was about to be tested. Because in those good moments, those moments of celebration, he had shown that he loved God and he trusted God. But now it was about to be truly tested. 
because he was about to go through one of the most difficult moments of his life. It's recorded for us in Genesis chapter 22. In Genesis chapter 22, you'll remember that God looked at Abraham and he said to him, he said, Abraham, Abraham answered and said, here I am. And he said, God said to Abraham, take now your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. He says, I want you to go and I want you to sacrifice the chosen child, the child that you've loved, the child that's been the apple of your eye, your number one in life. I want you to sacrifice him. Well, I told you this has been a theme lately. But in Genesis 22, 3, you see immediate obedience. Immediate obedience. The people of God who have made a difference for God, they seem to have always embraced immediate, absolute, complete obedience. And it says in Genesis 22, 3, So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, and took two of his young men with him, and Isaac his son, and he split the wood for the burnt offering, and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. He went to take his one and only son to be sacrificed. God said, this is what I want you to do. I want you to take him and sacrifice him. And Abraham, it says that he got up early. He got everything together. He made all the necessary preparations and he went to obey. It's faith. Faith. When you're asked to give up the most precious thing in your life, And you're willing to look at God and say, God, here it is. Here am I. And here is the most precious thing I have. I give to you. It says by faith he did it. Absolutely it's faith. It was trust. He believed God. And this, it says here, was a test. But I want you to to get this. This test was not so that God would know that Abraham was faithful. God knew. A few years ago, I was still in my seminary days, and we began to hear some things about something that's called open theism. I don't know if you've heard of it, or maybe some of your pastors have talked about it before, but it was something that seemed to be gripping some of the denominational seminaries in our country. Not our Baptist seminaries, thankfully, but some of the other denominational seminaries were going along with what was called open theism. And they would take Genesis 22 in particular, Abraham's test, and they would cite it as an example of their belief, of their uh, doctrine. What did it hold? Basically, it held this. They would say that God knows all things, all things that can be known. But the God that we serve, and these were in Christian denominations, mainline denominations here in the United States, they would say, but God cannot know the future because the future is not knowable. Now, he can guess at it because he's seen the history of the past, but he cannot know the future. And I remember hearing one one time say, Genesis 22, it says that God tested Abraham, that God wanted to see if Abraham was really going to do it because God didn't know. I remember hearing that and thinking to myself, 
how ridiculous can we become? How ridiculous it is for us to somehow begin to assume our own deity and think that we can decide this about God. That somehow we've developed this God that doesn't know the future. Let me tell you, everything that I've seen in the scripture, as I study through, God knows the future. God knows exactly. You know, a few weeks ago when I said to you, you got to be careful about uh, building your doctrinal statements on narrative, uh, stories of the Bible, like Genesis 22. Why are you building it simply on Genesis 22 on Abraham's test and somehow saying God doesn't know the future? He tested him. He wanted to see if Abraham would really go through. Let me say to you, and I can tell you on biblical grounds, God knew exactly what was going to happen. God knew that Abraham was going to pass this test. God wasn't just up there holding his fingers, hoping that Abraham would do the right thing. God knew. And I say to you that God still knows the future. And God is all-knowing, and he can know the future. We may not can, but that is because of our human limitations. We serve a God that does not have our human limitations. This test was not so much for God so that he would know. But it was for Abraham in his growth of faith, in his trust. I mean, can you imagine God continuing to expand this man's faith? And now he expands it through this trial. He is asked to give up the most precious thing in his life. I want to ask you just for a moment very pointed way, just to ask you to think about some of the most important things in your life. If I were to ask you to write down the three most important things in your life, what would those be? Maybe be family, maybe be friends. Relationships, certainly for me, are some of the best things. Maybe for you, it would be some other things you might get into. I want to ask you. If God told you tonight to give up those things, would you be willing to give them to him? Give them up and give them to him. Would you be willing to do that? That'd be tough. I'll tell you, there's some things in my life that'd be tough. And here, Abraham responds immediately. And and in Hebrews 11, no wonder he's recorded in this hall of faith because it says, it is by faith, it is through the instrument of faith that when Abraham was tested, he offered up Isaac child of promise of whom it was said in Isaac your seed shall be called it says that Abraham goes I go back to Genesis 22 I remember Abraham's words to the young men which said after they got there and after the third day and they were able to see Mount Moriah Abraham said to the young men stay here with the donkey the lad and I will come back we will go yonder and worship and we will come back to you Because not only did he have the faith to offer Isaac. He had the faith to believe that God was going to take care of Isaac. And take care of his promise. Because if you notice in Genesis 22. Notice this. Abraham says. Hey we're going to go there and worship. And guess what? We are going to come back. Did you get that? We're going to come back. That may not have made sense to those young men, but if they had had Hebrews 11 to go by, they might have understood it a little more. Because it says 
verse 19, that Abraham concluded that God was able to raise him up even from the dead, from which he also received him in a figurative sense. Did you get that? You might want to just underline that. Maybe just circle that. To me, that is one of the most amazing passages in all of the Bible. Because it says Abraham believed God so much, believed that Isaac was the promised child, just like God said he was, that if Isaac were to die, God was going to resurrect him. Isn't that amazing? I mean, this is before we have a doctrine of the resurrection as we think about it today. This is before we believe in the resurrection of Christ, before it's in, in our belief in resurrection. This is before all that. This, this is before there's the full-blown theology on the doctrine of the resurrection. Abraham hadn't been to seminary, hadn't understood all the ins and outs. All he knew was, God said this, and if God said this, he's going to perform this. So in other words, he's got to do something about it. Get the reasoning. God said Isaac was going to be the promised child. Didn't God say that? God said it. From Isaac, you will have all these descendants. A great nation is going to come. It's going to be Isaac. God said it over and over. So if God said that, and then God tells me to sacrifice him, and he dies, then what does that mean? It means God has to act on the other side of that to resurrect that child because God initially said, Isaac's the one, so thus, he's got to come back alive. Because God's going to fulfill his promise. That's faith. That's trust. Saying, I believe God's going to do what he said he was going to do. Right? So I believe he's going to be resurrected. One of the most phenomenal passages in all of the New Testament, the Old Testament. Abraham says, I believe God will resurrect him. Because I just believe God. I have that faith. God's not going to tell me one thing and do something else. Abraham had waited a hundred years, basically, for this child. Certainly he had waited many years since God's promise for this child. And he believed. And somehow, one of these days I'm going to preach on Genesis 22, especially as you think about fathers, because Abraham must have instilled some faith into Isaac. Later on we'll see this maybe as we read through Hebrews 11. But when I first thought of Genesis 22 and I first read it, I used to think of Abraham and like a little boy walking up the mountain together. I used to think of that. I'm more convinced after understanding the term young lad or so in, in Hebrew in Genesis 22 that Isaac was probably a little older because usually that term referred to a little older folks. When I say that, I'm a young lad, but maybe, I don't know, 16, 17, something like that. And every time I read that now and I see that and uh, envision them going up, I think to myself, at any moment, a 17-year-old should be able to overpower a 117-year-old. You'd imagine? That's the reason when Isaac looks at Abraham and he says, look, the fire and the wood, but where's the lamb for the burnt offering? 
think Isaac's figuring out what's going on. And yet still, he surrenders to his father, who has demonstrated faith and trust, who he knows loves him. He surrenders to Abraham, which I think is a beautiful picture of a son surrendering to his father, to his will, because he knows. And look, Abraham, this isn't one of those, Abraham comes to the point of raising the knife, the scripture says. Till the voice calls. He is willing. Because again, he has faith. God's going to protect this boy. God may resurrect this boy. But God's going to keep his promise. And Isaac, in faith. Faith and trust. I'm not telling you that Abraham enjoyed these moments. I really don't think he enjoyed anything about this. I don't think he was looking forward to getting to the top of that mountain. I don't think he was looking forward to binding his son. But he still trusted. I'm going to tell you, there are moments in our lives where God's going to put us in some difficult situations. And God doesn't necessarily want us to go through it with thinking that we're going to be happy in those moments or thinking that we're just going to enjoy every experience along the way. But what God does want from us is our faith and our trust. And that even when it's hard, even when it's emotionally draining, we're willing to trust Him and to do what He calls us to do. By faith. It's through the instrument of faith. That when Abraham was tested. He offered up Isaac. And he who received the promises offered up his only begotten son. His only one. His heart and his life. Whom it is said. And Isaac your seed shall be called. Concluding that God was able to raise him up even from the dead. From which he also received him in a figurative sense. Well. As difficult as those moments were, can you imagine the celebration when they saw the ram? I mean, they had trusted, they had believed, and then there was the ram. And God had provided, I believe he's Jehovah Jireh. Yahweh will save, Yahweh will provide. And a ram is there. You see, it may be tough for us in the valley or, or in the most difficult moments. But thanks be to God that he brings us out of the difficult moments. There will be an end to the difficult moment. Sometimes it doesn't seem like it's going to come, I know. I've been there and I've seen it in too many families. But there will come an end. When you get to the other side, thank God you come out stronger. Because can you imagine the faith of Abraham after this? <laughs> it just kind of explodes. Um, it, it, it is magnified. Because once God brings you out of some sense of difficulty, he builds that faith and the faith grows. 
And then as he brings you out, after those moments, there are days of celebration. But again, the key to it all is faith. He received Isaac back. Isaac was as good as dead, it seemed. But God gave him back. God provided for him. And there were those moments of celebration. Faith. Trust. I say to you again, God wants you and he wants me. He wants us to be people of faith. Some of you may be going through some difficult moments now. Maybe a test. Not for God. God knows what's going to happen. You don't ever doubt that. But for you as you walk through it. It is a moment for God to grow your faith. God to grow your trust. And what I would say is just keep believing. Keep believing. Because the God who has promised to care for you. The God who has promised to be with you and never leave you or forsake you. The God the God who loves you is the God who will see you through it. You can trust him. You can believe him. You can praise him.